0: good it is to see all of you here today I hope you had a wonderful Christmas I especially am grateful to all of you at Kingwood Church that that did everything it takes to be able to share the Lord with so many hundreds of people before um, uh, in the two weekends that we were able to do Scrooge I enjoy it so much I'm I'm worn out when it's done but I enjoy it so much And I, I think I may have told you this before but somebody said I needed to Tell it again, several years ago in fact, it was so oh, about seven years ago or so I had um, a brain aneurysm and had to go for surgery. And uh, it was very frightening to me, and I remember that um, it, it happened we, we did it right after Scrooge was over, actually, like two days after Christmas. And um, Pastor Ron had, had gotten up to welcome everybody, and had told everybody that Scrooge was going to go have brain surgery after the play and so uh you know and of course there was no update of what happened but I was in I was at a bank uh up in Pelham and um I was doing some business for my father and I was in the bank there and they were asking me to fill out something and they asked uh my place of employment and I put Kingwood Church and the lady goes oh yeah I went and saw a play there one time it was a Christmas play the guy that played it died I said, he did. She said, yeah, he died. He had a brain tumor. And I said, no, he didn't. He survived. And she said, oh, really? I said, yes, I am that man. <laughs> and she said, I wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. So anyway, every, every year at Scrooge, I get worn out, but I sure am glad I get to play that part again. So I want to thank all of you at Kingwood Church for making that happen. This year, more than any year we've ever had, people came into the kingdom. Can you say praise the Lord to that? Thank the Lord. 160-something. 160-something. That's just the ones we heard from. So we're happy about that. Um, This is the final um, message in a series we call the Songs of Christmas. Uh, Before we go into that last one, I wanted to do something. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, um, there's a, there's a word that's out. It's sort of a new word, um, called a modigran. A modigran, it's a new word that's been coined and it's a, it means, uh, children who get the lyrics to songs wrong. They're modigrins. And so there are a lot of Christmas carols that have the lyrics wrong. And I want to just tell you some of those because I have had the most fun. Uh, working on this, okay? Here we go. We all know this one from Silent Night. You know, the one round John Virgin, mother and child. I don't know who round John Virgin is, but he's been eating a lot at Christmas. I like this one, though, from Winter Wonderland. Later on, we'll perspire as we drink by the fire. Probably so. Now, there was a, there's an old German one. It's actually in German, but we, we call it Oh Christmas Tree, but it's called Oh Tannenbaum. How about this one? Oh tiny bomb, oh tiny bomb. Ah, this is one of my favorites. Now, we don't ever sing this one. I think it's an oldie goldie, real oldie goldie. Good King Wenceslas. How about this one? Good King Wenceslas car backed out on the feet of Stephen. <laughs> Loved it. And of course, from Rudolph, Rudolph the red-nosed stranger had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it grows. Olive, the other reindeer, used to laugh and call him names. Rudolph and Olive together leading everything. How about this one? The, the last phrase of Noel. Noel, Noel, Barney's the king of Israel. Joy to the world, the Lord has gum. (laughs) Joy to the world, and let's have fun. Let earth receive her keys. (laughs) Ah. Here comes Santa Claus. He's making a list of chicken and rice. God rest you married gentlemen. Get dressed, you married gentlemen. Please. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to sing this one with me, with the words we put up there. It's it's the best. It's from "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." You ready? Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the New York King. Peace on earth. And then he smiled. God has seen her raccoon eyes. Joyful, oily nations rise. Join the triumph in disguise. With the jelly toast proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the New Yorky. Must have been a hockey fan there, the New York Kings, but we have our own from right here at Kingwood Church. Jace Powell, over the holidays we heard his translation of Feliz Navidad, oh please mommy God. (laughs) Oh yes, the songs of Christmas. If Jesus were born today, if Jesus were born today in Alabaster, Alabama, would it be any different than it was 2,000 years ago? It's a good question to ask. Um, We always like to think the answer would be yes, especially if he was born around here. We would never make the mistake of turning the Son of God away. We would always make room for him. I mean, we'd kick somebody out of the the candlelight suites or something in Alabaster. We're going to let... Jesus be born in a hotel. At least if not the emergency room at the hospital. But is that the truth? Would it have been any different if he had waited 2000 more years and was born now? It seems that in the Bible most people were not prepared for his coming the first time. Herod king Herod sure one The scribes, even though they knew where he was going to be born, were not ready. The rich and powerful in Bethlehem, if Bethlehem had any rich and powerful, it was a pretty poor little town. Um, They didn't didn't pay any attention to the young couple from Nazareth when they strolled into town. The rulers of the world never knew he was born. Uh, Many never knew he lived or died. By standards of the world, his birth was a slight blip on a radar of history a peasant child born to poor peasants in rome nobody paid attention in athens in alexandria the great cities with universities nobody took note in china and in india nobody had an idea the apostle john said it like this he was in the world although the world and though the world was made through him The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but even they did not receive him. The Jews, his own people, his own nation, the very people who should have been the happiest to see him, totally missed it. Missed it totally. Now, there are some people that were sort of eagerly awaiting him to arrive. And what's so odd is the, the wise men, the magi, the we call them the three kings. They weren't kings at all. They were scholars. The wise men from the east, they somehow figured it out. I, I like the story. They figured it out. They, they were these guys that had studied all the texts of all the great religions, and they had studied the Hebrew Scriptures because the Jews had been captive in their land. And they studied the Scriptures, and they read in Genesis where it said, The scepter will not depart from Israel, from Judah, until Shiloh, the one to whom it belongs, comes. And and they begin to add things up and they begin to notice that somehow a star will arise in Judah. A star will arise. They had this, the heavens mapped out like a grid and they had this, this is this country's part and whatever. And there was little israel's part the the jewish people's part and a big old star showed up and so they said what does that mean they went and started looking at the old testament and they figured it out they uh connected the dots these guys weren't even believers in god they connected the dots and they got on their camels and came on over we suppose there were three of them there might have been one or there might have been 30 i don't know but they they came on over And they didn't understand why the Jews didn't recognize him. They had no idea what was going on. But these guys did. You see, there were some people in those days that really, really felt deep in their heart, listen carefully, that something was about to happen. There were people that had this inside feeling that maybe something in this world is about to explode because the world was in a mess at that time. Really, a mess. There was a group of people, it, there's, there's, a, um, there's actually an Aramaic word that talks about these people, but the best translation for it in English is they were called the quiet in the land. There were a group of people called the quiet in the land, and they, had, they were out of it on politics, and they were out of it on overthrowing the government, and they were not uh, involved in the religious area at all, but somehow they prayed for God to come through. They were called the quiet in the land. Through godliness and constant prayer, they were wanting to get ready for the Messiah to come. And what we're going to talk about today is one of those guys that's a member of that loosely organized group called the quiet in the land. Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 24. Here we go. On the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise him, He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping of what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons." See, this is, what, this is the deal. The Bible in the Old Testament had sort of laid it out for everybody like this. That all little male uh, children were to be circumcised on the eighth day. That's what verse 21 said. Now that, was, that could have been done in Bethlehem where he was born. But the law required that women wait 40 days after the child is born, after the birth of a son... And they had to go to the temple for purification. And they also need to present their little boy to the Lord, their firstborn son to the Lord, to be, and here's the word that's used in the Bible, redeemed by the Lord. That means to be, you exchange, you say, Lord, here's my gift to you. And God blesses the child as a gift back to the family. And that was sort of the law. And they followed the law immediately. That's what was going on when we read this story that happens, is when Mary and Joseph on the uh, 40th day after Jesus was born showed up at the temple, which was about eight miles from Bethlehem. They showed up there, and they were there to give the Lord Jesus, their little boy, to the Father as a gift. And the Father would in turn bless him. The Bible says that they also were to offer a sacrifice, either a, a pure dove or two pigeons or, you know, it could go on down the line. It's, it depends on how rich you were. Well, the Bible says that they showed up with just a couple of pigeons. Here's why. They were poor. They were as poor as they could be. I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus was born into a godly home that didn't have a, two pennies to rub against one another. They were born into a poor home. I want you to know our Lord Jesus did not not grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He grew up sort of representing the way that most human beings grow up. He came to identify not with the rich, but with the lowest of the low. And he did. Leviticus tells us that um, it's better to bring a lamb for the offering, but if you don't have a lamb, you could bring a bird. And that's what they did. They did the best they could do. But they did it according to God's Word. You see, Jesus was born into a family that honored God's Word. I want to tell you something. Nothing can be greater for a child than to be raised in a home that honors God's Word. They honor God's Word about everything. They grow up in a home where the the parents, it's not a question of should we tithe or not. It's the family's tithe they give to God. You grow up in a, in a in a church where, or in a family where, going to the house of God on the on the Lord's Day is not a question. Did you know I used to get a spanking for asking mom and dad if we had to stay for big church? <laughs> now where I was, we didn't have fun kids' church. We didn't. We had this nursery, and it was like as sanitary as it could be. You had this nursery, with no toys, and then when you got out of nursery. Brother, it was in the pew during the whole sermon. You could sleep oh ow. You could sleep sometimes, or you could sleep under the pew, but you got kicked by people behind you. And so it was like that was called big church. Brother, I'm telling you, do we have to stay for big church? <laughs> pow, 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 pow. Don't ask that question. It's the truth. Let me tell you why, that's because that's I, I did, I grew up in a family where mom and dad said this is the Lord's Day. I remember when we would go on vacation, I was afraid if we didn't stop on vacation and go to church, God was going to make our car wreck. Now that's a bit of legalism, but I want to tell you something, it was because I had grown up saying this is the house of God. We there was no luxury as to, hey, you know what, we're going to probably not go to church this summer because we're going to play ball. Are you kidding they would have told the coach to go suck an orange. <laughs> Just forget it. That's the, you, know what, you know what the problem is? You know what the problem is? A lot of people have lost their values, and therefore people outside begin to encroach more and more because nobody stands up for it. That's the truth. That's the truth. Because nobody stands up. Well, uh, This... Uh I better not say anything about that. Anyway. No, listen. I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Somebody said the other day to me something like, yeah, you know, coaches, they just cuss. If, every, if parents would not allow their kids to play with those coaches, coaches would quit cussing. I'm telling you, it's the truth. But you know, Jesus grew up in a house that said, let's do it according to God's word. We don't have much money, but it says, oh, it says here we can offer a bird. So they got a bird, cheap bird. You buy a bird for a penny. And that's what they offered. Now, 40 days had passed since Jesus had been born. And here come Mary and Joseph into the temple to redeem their firstborn son. Now, there was nothing to distinguish them from anyone else. I don't care what anybody says, Jesus was not glowing. He was probably crying and pooping like all the other babies. He's coming into the temple. Mary's got him in swan and clothes. They're not stopping to talk to people to show the baby off. They are going to offer their sacrifice and have the baby redeemed. And then God arranged a divine appointment. A divine encounter. Okay. Okay. Let's look at Luke 2, 25 and 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow. Wow. Well, let me tell you about this guy, Simeon. He was one of those guys that were in the quiet of the land. He was a man of prayer, not a man of politics. He was a man of prayer, not a man of violence. And God told him, you will see the Messiah. We know from the scripture he was a righteous man. We know he was devout. There's a difference. Righteous means he was Clean on the inside and devout meant that on the outside, he acted like he was clean on the inside. His, his, his life matched his heart. Third, he was waiting for what's called the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel was like code for a Messiah to come. He was waiting on Messiah to get there. He was, the Bible said, a spirit-filled man. Whoa. He was a, this, what, this is before Pentecost. He was a spirit-filled man. You know Why? Because he had prayed enough to where the Holy Spirit was so close to him, he just just would abide in him, I'm sure. Listen to this. He was waiting the imminent coming of the Messiah. He was waiting, waiting. The last part is fascinating. The Holy Spirit said, you will not die before you see Messiah. The Holy Spirit told him that. So, think about this. Simeon probably was an old man. It doesn't say he was, but it sort of implies that he was like getting close to dying. He's uh, been waiting in the temple. He had prayed and prayed. And uh, I I can picture the scene right now. Every day, Simeon goes to the temple and waits for Messiah to show up every day. How many times has he stood at the temple and watched people go through probably 10,000 times he has thought, is this the day? Is this the day? Is that the one? Is that the one? And, And the Holy Spirit keeps saying, keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. I'd have probably gone home. I'd have probably gone home and said, wake me up when he shows up, Lord. And I'll get to the temple pretty quick. That wasn't what he did because he was devout. He did what God said. So here comes Mary holding the baby in her arms with Joseph by her side. Jesus is only 40 days old. He was the most unlikely baby being held by the most unlikely couple. Poor carpenter from Nazareth, a little peasant girl, probably about 14 or 15 years old, carrying that baby in her arms. They're obviously country people. Could tell by their clothes they didn't have any money. If you were watching... You would definitely have not given them a second glance and neither would I. We would have probably said what my mother would have said, bless their heart. (laughs) Which means I'm glad I'm me and not them. Not educated. Not part of the intelligence of of the age. Not from the upper crust. And there they were, timidly walking into the temple courts... And Simon sees him and he asks the question of the Holy Spirit, like he'd asked 10,000 times before Is this the one? And the Holy Spirit said, Yes. And he heard it. And the Holy Spirit said, Yes. Suddenly, Simeon's heart just jumps inside of him, just like it did uh, with, with Elizabeth. The long days of waiting were over for this guy, it was over. The Messiah is here. He is here. Not he is coming. He is here. The one for whom our nation has been waiting on all this time. And he goes over and he introduces himself. And I'm sure he said, hey, can I hold the baby? And I'm sure Mary is thinking, who is the old homeless guy who wants to hold my baby? The Bible says that Simeon held Jesus in his arms, and he broke out into the song that we're going to celebrate today. It's the final song of the Christmas songs. And this is how it goes. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people A light for revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. God, that's amazing. I guess Simon thought at that time, he thought, well, I'm ready to die now. I'm ready to go. And he was. Now, let me me tell you what's really cool. There's there's a word there that it said, um, uh, Lord, you can dismiss me. Dismiss me that's an old word, it's a Greek word that's an old military term and it was used for when a sentry was on guard and when it was time for him to be dismissed the commander would come out and just say "Apolloi! Apolloi!" out of here <laughs> go home, you're dismissed Apolloi." it's like Simeon had been waiting all of his life like a sentry at the temple Messiah, I get, to, I get to be the one that sees Messiah. I get to do it day after day after day after day after day. Suddenly, Messiah's here. <laughs> Dismissed. His part in this thing was over. And you go, what, a, what an awful small part to be playing. Just a, just, I'm just a nobody. I've got like one line. I, I, th- that's it. That's the only part to be played but we're still talking about it. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it, and we know his name, Simeon. Wow, what a part. Guys, he was the first person to realize, outside of Mary and Joseph, who this guy really was. What about the shepherds? They just said a baby was going to be born. (laughs) They just went and said, what? What? this guy knew he knew God's word he knew that the thing that Israel had been waiting for for 3000 years was here was here he got to see it you know some of some of us that have uh, been in pastoral ministry for a while and m- most of you that have been in medical field and nurses and doctors and whatever for a while know that sometimes sometimes when people are are uh, are about to die, that sometimes it's almost like they're waiting on something. Sometimes somebody will just be hanging on and hanging on, and then finally when one loved one shows up that just seems like the last person in the family, then it's like they go. They, they, they're able to go or whatever. That's sort of how it was with Simeon. It was like Simeon was going to hang on, and he was going to hang on until the promise had been fulfilled because God had said, you're going to see the Messiah. And when the Holy Spirit said, This is the one. He burst into joy and said, Now, Lord, I get to go home. Now, Lord, my century duty is done. Now, we've talked about Simeon. Now, just real quickly before we leave today, I want to talk about the baby. Who is this Jesus? One of my favorite Christmas carols is, What child is this? What child is this? Well, first of all, this is what Simeon tells us in his song. He is the glory of Israel. Do you realize how long they've been waiting on this, this Messiah to come? Do you realize how long? I'll, I'll tell you how long. Genesis, chapter 3, verse 16. Yes, Genesis 3, 15, and 16. It says this. And... He shall bruise your heel, but you'll bruise his head. God promised back in Genesis that someone's going to come that's going to squish Satan's head once and for all. That's going to win over evil. And deep in people's hearts that knew God, they were waiting on the one that could finally do that. And probably you're waiting on that one too. I want you to know he's here. The one that can squish Satan's influence in your life today He's here, and He can do that. He is able to do that. He alone is able to do it. He is the glory of Israel. Do you realize, way back, way back from the time of Abraham, from the time of Moses, through the prophets, through, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through Amos, through Micah, for all of those years they kept saying he's going to come and they'd give you another hint he's going to be born in Bethlehem and, and one day he'll ride a donkey into town and, and all these different hints that were given and over and over and over and finally it got to where they coined a term called Messiah, HaMashiach, it is in Hebrew, HaMashiach not, not the, not an anointed one but the anointed one, not Mashiach, HaMashiach, the The main anointed one. And he had a name. And women all over Israel for for centuries. When when a girl became of age, she would say, maybe I get to be the one that's the mother of HaMashiach. Maybe it's me. And Mary, that's why Mary flipped out. When when the angel said, you're pregnant, she didn't go, well, that's going to look bad. She went, my soul magnifies the Lord. I get to be the girl. That's amazing to me. Throughout all of Jewish history, everybody's been saying he's going to be born. I think the religious leaders, listen to this carefully, the religious leaders knew that in the scripture, but they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Do you know who was looking for it? The quiet in the land. They were the ones who really believed Messiah was coming. It's just like today. A lot of people who are all the great scholars in Christendom, all the great teachers and scholars, they say, um, well, you know, a lot of people say the Bible is the Word of God. I don't necessarily think the Bible is the Word of God. That's how the Jews were doing at that time. They didn't care if Messiah came or not, they weren't looking for Messiah. All they wanted was money in the temple treasury. But there were the quiet in the land who the Holy Spirit was still saying, He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Today, it is is hilarious to watch, uh, uh, especially on news kind of shows, when people, people say things, I remember they were saying them about some of the candidates for president who said that they actually believed in the Bible. They actually believed God created the heavens and the earth. They actually didn't believe that that people came from apes and they actually believed that there was a flood and that Noah was a real person. And they were laughing, going, how could somebody in the 21st this is in America, how could someone in the 21st century even believe that? How could we trust a president who believes those kinds of things? That's what they were saying back in the times of Jesus. That's what the religious leaders were even saying. They, did, they weren't looking for a Messiah. And here he was, the hope of Israel, about to show up. He's the glory of Israel, the Bible says. <clears throat> did you know that even in the, ta- in the days when they were looking for a Messiah, did you know there were groups of people who believed, uh, in fact, one was a group called the Essenes, they believed that Messiah was going to die and rise again. That was part of their teaching. That he was going to die and rise again. And there were others that believed that he was going to come and then the first time, and then three days later, come back in glory. It's amazing how they got hints from the Holy Spirit. They just never were able to put it all together. I want to tell you this. The one who destroys Satan is, is here today. And he's come to you. Second thing. Simeon said... He's the Savior of the world. Now, he called him a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now, this is a new thought. Think about this. On the other songs we've seen, Mary's song is thoroughly and completely Jewish, isn't it? Oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, it's all about the Jews, and I get to be the mother of Messiah of the Jews. Gentiles are never mentioned. Zechariah, the priest. It's a Jewish song sung by a Jewish priest no Gentiles mentioned. The angel song, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's sort of a little bit inclusive. But Simeon says literally, he is a light not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. That's the rest of the world. He's going to be a light to the world. Isn't that amazing? The last song of Christmas, put us in there. We, we get to be there. He didn't just come to save the Jews He's not the Messiah for the Jews. He's my Messiah too. He's your Messiah too. That's pretty good. <clears throat> and the Bible says he's a light, of revelation to the Gentiles. You know what the Gentiles were doing about this time? They were worshiping idols, demon spirits, trees. They were doing all those things. And guess what? If Jesus hadn't come... You and I would have been doing the same thing. We would have been running around worshiping idols and trees. But His mercy reached down to even those of us that are Scots-Irish and that are African-American and Hispanic families and anything else that we might be gathered here today to be. It came to us. It came to us, too. He gets to be our savior rich and poor, young and old black and white, healthy and handicapped Jew and Gentile American and Japanese and Hispanic and African and Arab all people, red and yellow black and white, they are precious in His sight now He goes further than that if you're lonely this year, He's your Savior too If your family's rejected, Simeon was talking about you. If you feel forgotten or depressed or discouraged or down on your luck, Jesus was for you. Whatever sins are holding you back this year, it means that they can be forgiven because Jesus came for you. It's true that Jesus was a Jew. But if you remember, he met a Samaritan woman at the well and changed her life. He met a Roman centurion and said, I've never found a man of greater faith in all of Israel. He met a Syrophoenician woman and healed her daughter. When he was crucified, it was a Roman centurion that said, Surely this was the Son of God. We offer Jesus to everyone. We offer Jesus to everybody that came to Scrooge this year. We offer Jesus to them. Pastor Clark and the missions team offered Jesus to Alex in China. And we're still praying for Alex to get the full understanding of who he is. You see, when God sent his son to the earth, he didn't just fulfill a promise to Simeon. He fulfilled a promise to us. Because that promise is to all of us. Becky, it was to you when you were at the very bottom of your life. It was was to you when your brother died. it was was to everyone in this place in the worst place you've ever been even Jennifer when you didn't believe in God he loved you he's a savior for people everywhere but there's one more thing he said and I want to read this scripture to you it says let's see it's in verse 33 the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and will be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. The third thing that he said went right to Mary's heart. He said, Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. In that he was speaking of she would see her son die on a cross. But he said, "This one is given to be the rising and falling of many in Israel, a sign that will be spoken against." One guy called it, "Jesus is the divider of all men." He causes many to rise, and there are many that fall. One thing about uh, about this baby, even though he said, "Mary, you're happy now, but you're going to weep later." Mary got to have joy at the end because she also saw her son risen from the dead. I like that song, Mary, did you know the child that you delivered will soon deliver you. I think that's amazing to me. See, Jesus was born to be the divider of people. How, how did he divide people? Well, either you're for him or you're against him. Either you accept him are you deny him there are many who who try to hold a middle ground but there's no neutrality with Jesus I notice how it is sometimes uh, people in people in the um, entertainment world especially you, you put them on the spot about what they think about Jesus and they say things like oh I admire him or I admire his teachings or and they're trying to say in case he's right I need to show a little love but I think I'll sort of be to help my reputation I'll sort of be inclusive of all of them I'm sorry it's either Jesus or not Jesus it's either you're a Christian or you're not a Christian Jesus said no man comes to the Father but by me and nobody can change that Oprah can't change it the Pope can't change it nobody can change it it's popular in our country to sit on the fence regarding Jesus he's a good person a good teacher but I'm telling you according to Simeon that just can't happen either he's the greatest fraud that ever lived because he made some pretty big claims or he's exactly who says he is the way the truth the life the vine the only door the savior the master the coming king he's either all of that He's a great liar. So Christmas time and the days after it, of which we're in, bring us to two options about Jesus. Either you're going to join the wise men in honoring him, or you're going to join Herod and try to get rid of him. That's what Sibians saying. "I came," Jesus said in Matthew 10, "Not to bring peace." but a sword that's what he meant you see there was Herod and the wise men one tried to kill him one worshipped him then there was Simon Peter who denied him but he repented and there was Judas who committed suicide there was Pilate who tried to wash his hands and then there was the thief who turned on the cross to faith in Christ from the beginning of life to the very end Jesus divided people into either you're for me or you're against me now I want to ask you this question who is he to you this morning Simeon held the baby in his hands and said Lord I'm ready to go home I can die in peace but I want to tell you today in this room if you're listening to me you're not dead and the truth is what you do with Jesus matters more than anything This has been a very tough year for many of you. I know that specifically those of us who have been here at Kingwood Church and specifically in Master's Commission, we had one of our students die this year. Went to be with the Lord, Daniel Hedley. It's been very, very difficult. Daniel had a very, very rough past. But his sister, his twin sister said something I'll never forget. And this was while Daniel was, was on life support. She came and she said, I've always feared to get this call that something had happened to Daniel. But this is the first time I've ever gotten that call and realized now everything is okay. Because she said, Jesus makes the difference. I'm telling you, that's the truth. And Simeon was saying that. You see, the world either revolves around your faith in him or your rejection of him. And really, when it comes down to it, that's really all that matters. That's really all that matters. I told you that seven years ago, I think it was seven, seven or eight, I forget. It was brain surgery. Um. I I remember when the doctor said that I was going to have to have this he said it was going to be a craniotomy which sounded awful and they were going to cut my skull and lift it off and fix it and then put it back on did it carry risks? yes it carried risks Uh, they said that if it burst that that I I wouldn't live and so that's why they needed to fix it because it was in a really bad place and um, I, I remember saying, well, when can you do this? And he said, what about tomorrow? And I'm going, whoa, tomorrow? Well, we talked him into waiting a few days or whatever after Christmas. And I really, part of my reason I had to go, you know, I had to go to the, I had to go to the safe deposit office and get out the will and get out all the stuff that you got to have, insurance papers, but I also had to write letters write little letters to everybody because I was afraid that either I wouldn't make it or I wouldn't know that I didn't make it and um, I remember hiding them in the house and I, I Lindsay and Joel were married at the time and Lindsay was just um, had just found out she was pregnant with Sophia And I remember telling Joel that um, there's a certain painting in my study that if I died, there's something behind it you need to get out and you can do a treasure hunt in the house, I guess. And I, I just remember all of that and trying to settle all those human issues. But, folks, I never worried about my eternal issue, that had been settled by Jesus. And I knew that that would be okay. That's the thing I knew would be okay. I was worried about Peggy. And I was worried about my kids. I was worried about the people. I wasn't worried about the future. Because that had been settled. The sword had already divided and I had already chosen the side of Jesus. And that matters more than anything. More than anything. Afterwards, I've forgotten where I hid that thing. I forgot a lot afterwards for a while. And uh, I knew that I had told Joel something, but I didn't want to ask him. So I was thinking, where did I? And finally, about two years later, I found I found it. I took that picture that Dad and found it. So I traced my steps and were able to get rid of all my last notes to people. I want to ask you a question. Do you recognize Jesus? do you recognize who he is he's your Messiah he's the son of God (laughs) let me tell you what else he is he's the divider of mankind and I want to know what side you're on are you ready are you ready like Simeon Lord dismiss me now I'm fine (laughs) dismiss me Lord I finished what you call me to do are you ready are you going While I'm saying this, your heart is going, Oh, I am so not ready. I'm so not ready. I've got a lot of things to straighten out. But this one is the big one. Today, I want you to know that Jesus, who was an infant and was recognized by Simeon that day, is the same Jesus who is in this room today and he's asking you to recognize him. He's asking you to recognize Him as your Savior and your Lord. Maybe He's already your Savior, but you need to straighten some things out with Him. He's here for you to do that. Maybe there are things that need to be under Satan's, uh, under Jesus' heel. Some of Satan's messes that He's put in your life. And it's time for the Jesus in you to conquer the one who's tormenting you right now. Well, today is going to be your day to do that. There was one day, one day, Simeon met Jesus just one he had that one opportunity one this may be yours is he knocking on your heart right now? some of you know he is oh if I could just get out and get to the car and we could go eat I won't feel like this anymore this is your one shot folks the Holy Spirit said to Simeon this is the one one time listen, listen, he's saying it to you. Would you all stand together with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'll just come and stand across the front. As many of you as as can. I feel like the Lord has spoken my heart and told me there are going to be many today who need to recognize him. I just want you to come and if you would, if you just want to come by yourself and stand here, if you want to come and just let somebody pray with you, there are there are you're not here by mistake today. I said it every night at the Scrooge thing and I really mean it. You're not here by mistake. You're here. This is you're in the temple. You're walking in the door. Are you going to recognize him? Are you going to recognize this is your minute? This is your moment. This is your shot at it? To get things right. To settle this vertical relationship thing so that you know you're ready that you know that you're ready that you know. I'm gonna ask you, Father, I ask you today to draw those who need to settle some issue today in Jesus' name. Draw them, we pray. Amen. Would you come on? Somebody's waiting on you right now. Just